0: And welcome back to The Latecomers, I'm Amity I'm Millennial. And This week, we are going to talk about the 1982 Family Classic mm. Directed by an American legend <laughs> We'll talk about all of this As we talk about E.T. At. The Extraterrestrial mm-hmm. Directed by Steven Spielberg uh-huh. And released in 1982 Before we get started, how was your week? It was fun. We had the same week, pretty much. <laughs> Probably had the same week. Now, realistically, we are filming the or we're recording this uh-huh. fairly far in advance. So I'm hoping that the uh, the week before this releases, I will be going out of town and visiting my friend and uh, playing board games because that's what I do every mm-hmm. month. Because my life is weird, and uh, so I'm sure that was lovely. And. Yes. Uh, we watch DT mm-hmm. and we're also hoping that weather is behaving because I'm seeing, yes, I'm seeing now in the before times massive coast to coast storms, and I'm just like, awesome, right?
1: <laughs> so, um, hopefully, it, everybody it is take a doing turn. well,
0: uh, and we don't have to. Yeah, millions brace for major coast to coast winter storm.
1: Oh, thank you. I was I was actually It's got uh, a name. What's the name? They don't
0: name them. What? What's Olive?
1: Winter? Olive? Oh my god. <laughs> winter Olive?
0: storm Olive.
1: <laughs> Jeez. I I am um, I was taking a walk the other day out behind our, our work. There's some stairs and it got so blustery that a huge branch from a tree fell oh, at geez. my feet. Oh, And, and then thought, it was time to go inside. Yes. It's like, well, I can exercise another day.
0: <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Yeah. do need to do it There's exercising for health, and then the, the death that the exercise right. brings you, and it turns out. And ooh, that oh. was it.
1: Exercise would have killed me that day.
0: Yep. Starting on Thursday, we will have, at the very least, rains. So. All right. You want to talk about this movie? I want to talk about And this the people movie. who made it. All right. And these kid actors who are so goddamn good. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, let's start with E.T. the extra- Extraterrestrial. It came out in 1982. Uh-huh. When did, did you watch it in 1982 when you were tw- no, I d- 12 years old? I did not watch
1: it in 1982. I watched it a couple of years later. Because um, you weren't, you didn't, you
0: were not a going to the movies Right. Family, I was not a going right? to the
1: movies person, not at all like I am now, where, you know, drop of a hat, I'll be the movie. And is it. that
0: because your parents were like, there are perverts on the movies? My mom or... <laughs> thought there
1: were perverts at the movies. <laughs> okay. And so we were all these under the threat of perverts. Um, under the threat? <laughs> yes. There was just perversion everywhere, uh, 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 which actually is what makes me, now that I see it, uh, identify with charity so much. Um but there was a, this, this fear that we were going to be abducted or molested or something, which is not anything to laugh about. But at the same time, it was just so pervasive in our household, this, this idea that but something bad's going to happen to yeah. you. So we didn't go to the movies. Um, but yeah, I saw it later on when the home video craze was out.
0: That makes sense. What about you? I have a recollection of seeing this movie at a drive-in now. This movie came out in May of 1982. Uh-huh. Nope. June of 1982. It came out earlier in Canada. Excuse me. June of 1982, I would have been cool two years old. I right. do not think I was at the drive-in at two. Also, I remember it playing before Lethal Weapon. Wow. Um. Okay. I, I suppose with the hope that your kids will fall asleep and then you can watch Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon came out in nineteen eighty seven. So it is entirely possible and in fact probable that this movie came out more than once, was released during Re- the summers, yes. reissued. Mm-hmm. Right? Because let's start with its budget was ten and a half million dollars. It has made seven hundred and ninety three million dollars. Yes. So that, to me, says re-releases. Also, it was released last year in IMAX for its 40th anniversary. This is a, this is a film that comes back out. Right. It is also a film that I think... after And then that is the only time I could remember seeing it. Yes, I've only seen it. Once. So I had a hazy memory of a possible time where I saw it at the drive-in. Uh, and then we watched it yesterday. Uh-huh. And... Um, I was surprised how much I liked it. Surprised by how much downtime and stuff that didn't seem to be for kids there was. And surprised by its length. It's pretty long. It's almost Mm. two hours long. Which is a long time to ask children to pay attention to a screen when there aren't cartoons on it. Now, there is a weird, squishy alien... But you don't really see him that much, Mm. which is probably for the best. I think maybe Spielberg is taking what he learned from Jaws and carrying it into his other things, which is just don't show it. If it's a mystery, that is more compelling than... Which
1: is a trick he did up until, even through Jurassic Park, the Trinosaurus is in the rain, in the dark.
0: You don't really right. see it, even as spectacular of a piece of technology right. as it is. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what did you think when we watched it yesterday? Like, just the overall impression. First of all, is it thrilling?
1: <sighs> no, <laughs> not to me. But um, well, I can I can say that maybe the the final scenes of the film. The problem is that.
0: It has been imitated so much. It really has. Like, from the sort of absurd, like, Mac and Me, where it's mm. like, I mean, you just ripped it off almost entirely, right. to, like, I would say that there are scenes inside of Marvel movies right. that that emulate the scenes, like, the um, quarantine scenes from this movie. Right. Like... Oh,
1: also, uh, of, as our roommate pointed out, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. their whole yeah, um, mise en scène is to recreate this kind of age, this vibe, right. and
0: specifically, they're looking at Steven Spielberg movies and Stephen King works. Right, that's that's where they're pulling right in the intersection of the two together. Yes. and and any J.J. Abrams, like um, you yes, know, Super true. Eight and things like that, feel very much. Super Eight was. And Anybody we'll talk. Ab- we'll talk, talk about this, this in origi- a minute. Is this the original Kids on Bikes movie?
1: Possibly. Yeah, I think
0: maybe because the bikes fly. y'all. I fucking cried when that music. It's that music. That music is doing so much when that music swells and then they fly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> like, it's so stupid because I know it's stupid, and I'm like, you are manipulating the shit out of me. Fuck you. Tear. 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 <laughs> Mad. Uh, I think that about six minutes of this film is thrilling. Is that enough to put it on the list? Uh, This
1: is. Ooh. That's interesting. This is uh, similar to a problem that we had with a couple of the other films that we had where we're going, okay, maybe it's a different kind of thrill. Sure. That you could say that there's moments that are just outright thrilling, like the moment when they're flying the bicycles. And, and I stuff bet like that. in
0: 1982, mm-hmm. if you were s- between seven and twelve years old, right. and you watch this movie, I bet it was a thrill, right. But we're forty years removed and forty years well, removed, it's, and it's really tough, right. As an adult, I'm looking at this. Like, list. That's what I'm saying. We're forty years removed mm-hmm. in age. We're also forty years removed in time. It's like it's, right. it's that's a tough sell to, you know, a 42-year-old and a 52-year-old. Like, it's just yeah. not, not, it doesn't, it won't have, although I did start crying.
1: Well, it, it's, it still had its effect. It still was potent for you.
0: Also, I really like the sounds that the E.T. makes. I like his little squishy self. I just, I don't know, I like him. Uh, he's not creepy. I thought he was creepy when I was younger. Mm-hmm. He's not creepy. He's adorable now.
1: His early scenes are kind of scary, though. I can yes. understand how that's... When you're not quite sure what he looks like. Um, Spielberg wanted him to... Apparently sent Rambaldi to an optician to kind of get the, uh, the look, because he wanted really big eyes. And it was... Which, which is the saving grace of this character. Ernest Hemingway, it was... Who else was it? Ah, oh, I, for, I forget who... Um, But, yeah, it was based on actual people.
0: Like, the thing about the eyes, this thing is very weird looking. Now, it is fairly humanoid. It has two feet, two arms, a neck and a head and a torso. So it's got things that we recognize as a body, right? Right. Its proportions are very weird, though. And it appears to be slimy. I don't think that it is. It's very shiny. So it's hard for me to tell. But he doesn't seem to leave a goop. Which is good. No, he's a vegetable, actually. Is that why they're looking for plants at the beginning?
1: Mm-hmm. So he's like a potato? Yes, he tells me he's some kind of vegetable. And that was his tip of the hat to a film we've already seen, which was The Thing. The Thing. Which the original mean, Thing. Yeah, not original the original Thing, right. Not the which remake. Is, the remake is like some which, sort of horrible virus.
0: But, but, but also, the remake came out this year. Right. So the remake wasn't even um, um, a part of it. But yeah, the original Thing, it looks... It's like a... It's not a carrot. It's like a... It's like a carrot. (laughs) It's like a carrot man. It, when it was released, we should say, it was an immediate blockbuster. It surpassed Star Wars to become the highest grossing film of all time. And uh, it held that record until Jurassic Park beat it. Mm. So we're talking about Lucas, Spielberg, Spielberg, and then I'm pretty sure Avatar was the next one. Oh, it was re-released in 1985 and again in 2002. So it must not have been Lethal Weapon that I saw it with, but it was not, it was the 198 it was 1985 when I saw it at the drive-in. I I can pretty much guarantee it. That feels like about the right age. And yeah, do we want to do you want to get into the plot or do you want to say anything else about? I do want to say something real quick. Okay. We all we have issues in this house with Steven Spielberg. Once he he almost hit me with his car that's not your problem with him that's my problem with him um something that he is extraordinarily good at i think is choosing and working with child actors
1: that's one of the, yes that's one of his gifts
0: and in this one we have two uh we've got th- we've got two young actors we've got what four teen actors um the two young actors are gonna go on to have long healthy careers that's henry thomas that's drew barrymore and now drew barrymore was drew barrymore she was a barrymore she was sort of but she is so goddamn cute in this movie it's unbelievable. Also, her name is Gertie. What a bananas name for a child.
1: (laughs) She's the only one who apparently didn't... Her name, I'm sure, was Gertrude, but yeah. Come back for callbacks. Like everyone else was auditioned and went through a series of auditions and interacted with each other, but she was just cast on the spot after apparently telling Spielberg an enormous whopper about how she ran a punk band (laughs) as a child. She
0: wasn't doing cocaine yet, right? but it's like... It's in the. She started right. doing drugs so unspeakably young. Mm-hmm. I am so glad that she's still with us and clean and healthy. <laughs> like when people want to mock her for like doing a TikTok about how awesome it is to walk in the rain, I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> she should, by all rights, be a member of the 27 Club. Right. The fact that she's in her 40s and still with us is a fucking miracle. And Henry Thomas kind of went away for a long time, mm-hmm. and then Mike Flanagan was like, "Hey, come here, be in all my things."
1: <laughs> and I think I, I, I'm very. I think it's actually a really good idea on his part because he is an amazing actor, even here. Yes, his, even here, he does these scenes um, with E.T. The, especially the scene where he dies. I this movie is. So, well, known, I don't think I'm giving anything away. Well,
0: we're going to spoil it anyway. You guys, you know, we talk about the whole plot, so right. it will be spoiled. And also, E.T. does die in this movie, which is a wild choice for a children's movie, right. but also, he comes back to life.
1: So, do you want to talk about the development
0: of the film or the uh, film itself? I don't know anything about the development. Okay, so, if you so want to talk about the development, let's do that.
1: The development of this film is really kind of why I have issues with Steven Spielberg. This and other stories like it. Um, originally it started as a sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which we'll be seeing later.
0: Yes, we will. I'm excited because I've never seen it. Is that a Steven Spielberg movie as well? Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, after Close Encounters, there was the attempt to do a, a sequel to it, but where the aliens in the first film, Close Encounters, were sort of, uh, sort of genteel and angelic, in this second film, they're going to be sort of horrible and monstrous, and they were based on, um... The Kelly Hopkinsville Encounter, where a family was on a farm, was held, or held at bay with improvised weapons, creatures trying to break into their house. The script was written by John Sayles, the amazing John Sayles, uh, who wrote a story he thought of as a Western. And there were any number of alien characters, uh, 11 of them at one point. He narrowed it down to five or seven, I can't remember which, which had nicknames taken from classic westerns. One of them was named Scar, after the villain in um, The Searchers. Oh, okay. Uh, So, as it was, the aliens are roaming around this farm where they've landed. They use their glowing fingers to... Dissect and probe the farm life, trying to find the most intelligent creatures they can. Okay. They do lay siege to the farmhouse, so, in that respect, it's very much like the actual incident it was taken from. Uh huh. But they have an autistic boy who makes friends with one of the aliens, the alien who's made fun of by the other aliens. And so he's an outcast too, and then there's the autistic son. I can't watch this outcry forever. <laughs> right. So the two of them become friends, and they wind up saving the farmhouse. Although the alien winds up dying or something. It's it's very. So, that film was in development. It was. Spielberg says that he only wanted to do it because he was afraid of what happened with Jaws two, which is. He did Jaws and then the the franchise got taken away from him and got taken and given to another director.
0: And it went. And it went off into the rails, this
1: weird yeah. off the rails yeah. kind of really, if you watch Jaws 2, the thing is two steps away from Godzilla, it's eating helicopters, it's jumping yeah. it's really weird.
0: it ends up with a vendetta against the family. There's right. the three D one, like, yeah, no, it's yeah, it, But it, that it gets... second
1: film in particular, the scene where it hops out of the water and eats a helicopter, I'm going, Really, this is this is like the shark. It's a bit before we were looking at a film, something that could happen. Now we're looking at this sort of weird, you know, adventure fantasy movie yeah. that's more like The Meg, I guess, now. But um, so that script was written. The script was written by John Sayles. He incorporated all these elements into it. And the great, the one and only Rick Baker was commissioned to design these aliens. And he submitted some sketches. You can find them online. They're very grim and fighting looking, but it's Rick Baker. And he does that really, really, really well.
0: And this wasn't the story at the no. time. He wasn't was, making. He was doing Night Skies. ET, he was doing. Right. It.
1: And so what wound up happening is that uh, Spielberg went on, well, this was all in development. He goes off to do Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he said he went through some sort of personal crisis where. It's, he spent every day shooting Nazis, blowing up Nazis, blowing up airplanes, having Nazis shoot each other, having people. It's just like it got to be, to his mind, too much for him. So when the his associate producer, screenwriter, um, who is Melissa Math, uh, Melissa Matheson, yes, who was at the time uh, visiting her husband on the set, who was Harrison Ford, she's
0: the writer writer credit right. on this film. Yeah, she
1: she was married to Harrison Ford, so she she. Um, she was talking to Spielberg about how he, um, this particular film that he wanted to do, that he didn't want to go back and do because it was too violent for him and he just had his fill of making violent movies. Mind right. you, this is before Saving Private Ryan or Schindler's List. Well, well before. Right. We're talking or Amistad a long, or these films where he apparently came to terms with it. But he very abruptly just stopped making the film. I began working on another script, which is focusing solely on the relationship between the the alien and the autistic boy. Then it became a non-autistic boy. Um, And that's what E.T. is. Where my problems with Spielberg often come into play are the way that he deals with other people, because Rick Baker found out by having himself locked out of his own workshop. It's just... And all of these sketches and all the the mackets he produced were were, uh, proprietary.
0: He's got that white male boss attitude Mm -hmm. of things that I want just come to fruition. It's not other people putting in blood, sweat, and tears to make this shit happen. It just happens because I willed it to happen. And that attitude leads you to treat people who... You really do rely on right like shit, and it sucks, and so
1: yeah, he apparently had this huge issue with Rick Baker. Baker is not the kind of i mean B- Rick Baker was King Kong in the seventies, that was him in the suit, so he so I got into it with him, we're shouting at each other, and then I get locked out of
0: was it before he had his beautiful white hair yeah probably he had, <laughs> probably. Long, he had hair, long hair.
1: Um, was it wasn't all white, yeah. But It wasn't all white. And so what happened after that, he got locked out of his own workshop. And That's some um, straight right. bullshit. Um, but before that, Spielberg was promising, well, you can design the new creature that we're doing. It has to be friendly looking. And then after getting these arguments with um, with Rick Baker, he... Decides he's not even going to speak to him he's anymore. He's not going to do that. Carlo I'm going to be a
0: child. I'm going to lock the thing, and Carlo Rimbaldi is coming right.
1: on board. And Carlo Rimbaldi, who it's not his fault at all. I like Rimbaldi, too very much. And I, I'm sorry. It was the the face of ET is meant to, rep, uh, to resemble Carl Sandberg, Albert
0: Einstein, and Ernest Hemingway. Okay, which is a weird combination. I don't see. It. I don't see any of that. It's got giant ass eyes, and it's shaped like um. Like a like a like a golf driver. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like, his head is the shape of a golf club.
1: <laughs> Yoda is designed to look like Albert Einstein. Uh,
0: yes, I can see, and I can kind of see right, that. So that was Yoda makes an appearance in this movie.
1: Yes, he does, and that was something that uh, that Spielberg also was very happy with, because he decided to include this sort of snippet in this film. But yeah, Night Skies was never finished. It was never made, but it, one of the things that the elements of that film that wound up not making it into E.T. wound up making it into Poltergeist right? wound up making it into Gremlins. So there's scenes from those films.
0: Right. And Poltergeist was released the same right. year, everybody. Uh, Gremlins was a little bit later, I believe. Um, oh, but the other thing I want to say about the kids, mm-hmm. the older ones, I don't know... Three of them kind of went away. Robert McNaughton, the brother, mm-hmm. um, is a name that I know, but he didn't do much after. But uh, there's a young C. Thomas Howell who is credited as Tom Howell in this one. And this is a year before he plays Ponyboy in The Outsiders. As we're scanning, like, the opening scene, they're playing D&D, and they scan across these boys' faces. And I was like, wait, that's a face I know, but, like, before, like... Like it doesn't have any character on it because it's a child. Right, (laughs) I had to like. I was like, "Who is this?" (laughs) It's just so weird. And then we have to talk about the coolest '80s mom there is.
1: Oh, Dee Wallace.
0: Dee Wallace, she's so good. Dee Wallace, we saw
1: Cujo, right? I think I mentioned then, this woman is so underrated for the performance that she's able to bring. And I remember kind of being smitten with her when I first saw her. She was being interviewed on Mike Douglas or Merv Griffin. I don't know why. Did she giggle? She's got a good laugh. She was was (laughs) on the show with Kirstie Alley Uh because they'd done Star Trek uh, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, okay. And that was introducing Kirstie Alley. So these two were just making each other crack up
0: the entire interview. You know they were stoned. Oh, probably. Almost 100% definitely. Um, if I could craft my perfect mother, uh-huh. it's Dee Wallace from This and Cujo uh-huh. and uh, what's-her-name from Poltergeist?
1: Oh, yeah, Jabeth Williams.
0: Smush those two together. Smush those three characters together. That's the mom I want. Yeah,
1: she she did a... When um, she kept doing this thing where... On the interview where she goes, you, you know, people... She was cracking up, and then she makes uh, mentions that she got paid a lot of work in commercials. She didn't come from a theatrical background necessarily, right. but she goes, "I get they for some reason. I did lots of airline commercials, and they just wanted me to look over my shoulder and smile."
0: Yes, she's she's got this sort of effervescence, fresh right. effervescence about her. She's also, you know, blonde and blue eyed, which doesn't hurt at this time, right? Um, you believe that. A little Drew Barrymore, right? Mad at her, right? You're like, oh, Henry Thomas must look like dad, who you never see in this movie. Um, yeah, no, she's she's so funny to me because she is very much like. And we need real quick. There is something comfortingly nostalgic about this movie, wherein, um. We have a seven year old boy faking sick and being left home alone in the in the right. early eighties, and I'm like, yeah, if my parents had to go to work like the, if I was sick, it was she says no TV as she's leaving i'm like it's a prices right day. What are you talking right. about <laughs> So let me
1: start reviewing the actual go to the movie no. all right let's do it um, there's not much that happens
0: no it's it's a for being close to two hours long, which I think is a mistake. Uh-huh. Sorry, I've lost my spot, Um, so I've got to go find it. Not that much happens. And also, there isn't a lot of character. Like, there are a lot of scenes in this that should probably be shorter. Right. And today would be, I think, they would cut it for wanting to watch kids, or wanting kids to watch it, right? Um, And I don't know, I feel like they might cut out the whole... E.T. dies 20 minutes from the end part. Like, oh. (laughs) So we start and there's aliens and they're gathering some plants in the forest. And then a bunch of big trucks come along and scare away the aliens and they leave one behind. That's (laughs) E.T. And uh, they, oh, because they're looking at the light. And I will say, and you mentioned it too, but I had the thought right before you said it was, the the looking at this housing development, or this area right. in the in the in the suburbs of L.A. It should look like Poltergeist. It right. looked like the same place the Poltergeist is taking place in. Uh, it's Don't in the San Fernando there. Valley. It's uh, I mean it's next door to where the Poltergeist people are. Uh, oh, and I guess Elliot is ten. Mm. He's a slight tat, though. (laughs) Um, So... We have Elliot Taylor out playing in his backyard, and he's throwing a baseball, and then (laughs) the baseball is thrown back to him. He's like, the fuck is going on! (laughs) And... Uh... Because earlier, I like we see like we see the family. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons. This house is where the kids are hanging out, which is right. crazy to me. Because mom's a single mom. Dad's left. He's <laughs> and in
1: Mexico. He's what's your name. in
0: Mexico. Is he with somebody? That was what yeah. I I could I I didn't quite catch. So dad has left mom for someone else. They are separating. The kids don't quite. I don't think the kids have full story. At this point, right, which is fine. Like it, They're right. kids. Um, I think Gertie is four, five. She's so little. How how old is? Do you think she's supposed to be in the movie?
1: You know, I don't know.
0: I'm looking at how old she actually was. So she was seven, six, probably when they were recording or filming. She was born in 1975. Um, And that's probably right. She's probably in kindergarten. And then Henry Thomas will put a 10, and then their brother is, like, maybe 14. No, he's not. He's almost, he's, like, 15. Because he's allowed to back out of the driveway. (laughs) He's never driven forward before, though. Um, (laughs) So he's not old enough to drive, but old enough that he's, like, on the cusp of driving. And... Um, that night, that night, uh, Elliot goes back outside to see if he can find out what took his ball or threw his ball, like what it was, because right. he knows it wasn't a dog. He's not sure what it was. He wants to find out what it was, even though he's explicitly told by his mom, "Fucking don't do that." <laughs> That's the downside to a, to the D Wallace character in this movie. These kids, listen, never. Like, not a single time. It's, it's a little disheartening. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's why I'm never having kids. Um, and he does... Um, he oh, he goes back out. He, he finds him in the corn. Mm-hmm. There, why is there corn in the San Fernando Valley? It's confusing. And he f- freaks out and runs and tries to tell his family. And they're like... Settle down, stay inside, it's nothing. (laughs) Basically. And he uh, then goes out and he like leaves a little pile of candy. Reese's Pieces, y'all.
1: Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) And then sits in a chair and waits for this thing to show up. It's not M&M's, it's Reese's Pieces. Which, I would argue, is the superior candy. (laughs) So... Good job, E.T. And then he, then E.T. comes out, right, in his little squat body, and um, he's like a he's a puppet, right? He's a full body. He's puppet. a full
1: body puppet. Um, he's an animatronic puppet. Okay. He's also a performer in costume. Am I, am I in a costume.
0: I saw that there's both a two foot ten, um, like stunt performer, right? And there's also a twelve year old child who was born without legs, right? that w- were used to Walking their hands. Yeah. To um to puppet this thing. Uh and he like breadcrumbs it into the house. And it goes all the way into the house. And then he closes his bedroom door and now it's in the house. They've captured him. Captured him. And let's see. Um he tries talking to him. They uh ET will imitate Like will mirror his movements, which in itself is a callback to
1: Jaws. When you see it, the putting your finger to the side of your nose and putting it—that's actually a scene in Jaws. So that was between who and who? Between. um, Because Jaws didn't do that. No, between the sheriff and his son. Oh. There's a very cute moment where he's like, really worried about what's going on, Roy Scheider.
0: I have never seen Jaws right. all the way he's through. On we his will hands. be watching it and I have not seen it.
1: And he starts like fiddling with his nose and the kids doing the same thing. And oh, it's like okay. he's trying to bring him out of his his so sadness. Oh okay. It's very
0: sweet. That's cute. Um also, hey Steven Spielberg, learn a new trick. I'm just saying. Don't put the same thing in everything. Uh he's showing him uh, and this is what I love Henry Thomas in this scene, because he's like Telling him what all of his characters, his dolls are. He's showing him what everything is, and he, and and he kind of like you. You know that he do, he has the understanding to know this thing doesn't understand what I'm saying, but no. also I'm gonna tell him anyway. <laughs> so he tells him this is Lando Calrissian. So there's a bunch of Star Wars references. got Star Wars toys, which makes sense in 1982. What right. kid didn't me? But other than that, um, and. Let's see. Then he they go to bed. We don't know. I, I guess E.T. goes to sleep. We don't know. Next morning, this is when Elliot fakes sick by putting his the um the thermometer in the lamp.
1: Which is an old trick. It's an
0: old trick. I believe it's similar it's identical to the Ferris Bueller trick, isn't that what he does too? Uh he's a lot older though. And so he's left to stay home and there this bond between them is growing wherein he can feel what E.T. feels he Elliot right. can feel what E.T. feels mm-hmm. uh and he cuts himself at one point and that's when we get out Elliot and he his little light up finger glows and then so, heals him
1: uh, whereas before in the original draft of the screenplay it involved you know that's the tool they used to serrate and bisect animals in dark skies now it's that the makes character.
0: sense like if uh. a finger lights up i'm like that's a cauterizing tool right don't touch me with it <laughs> um the like you that's really sort of locked in on this day when et is frightened by an elevator or an, an umbrella opening uh-huh. and then Elliot several rooms away who doesn't know what's happening gets freaked out as well. Wow. Uh the next day Oh no. That day, Elliot's like, I can't this is a living thing. This is as big as me. I can't keep this a secret. I gotta swear some people to secrecy. Specifically Michael, his older brother, he right. says, you know, swear the greatest promise you've ever made. It's a lot of child stuff like that. Like, swear that I'm the I'm the The best that ever was, or whatever it was. And he's like, look, it's my alien. And Michael's like, the fuck? (laughs) Um, But he is intrigued. And he starts interacting. Um, And then Gertie stumbles upon them. It's not an on-purpose that Gertie knows about this thing, but, you know, seven-year-olds. Their nose. By keeping them out of it. <laughs> yes. Uh So then she she's sworn to secrecy because they don't want to tell mom. And they start asking him like, "Where are you from?" And then he, et, can levitate, so he's like, you know, up. And then he levitates a bunch of balls, like planets in the sky. And uh-huh. He's like, I'm from up there. Uh, which, like, no kidding, right? And then he also revives chrysan- their chrysanthemums. Uh-huh. The, there's this potted plant that has died, and he brings them back to life. Because apparently, he is a plant. <laughs> um, and then, that's the other, the, you get the healing. So he can heal... Mm-hmm. plants and people uh, and he can move things with his mind and he has this symbiosis now with Elliot where they can feel each other the next day Elliot's like I guess I gotta go to school so he goes to school and um, well he is in the most upsetting biology class I've ever seen sitting next to yeah. one Erica Alaniac who's uh, who's name on the call sheet was pretty girl which is rough Um, and meanwhile E.T.'s at home playing dress up and drinking a six pack of beer (laughs) and so Elliot is sitting in class wherein there are jars with live frogs in them the teacher drops chloroform in like on cotton balls into the jars and then the kids have to Seal the jars up. They make their own killing jars. Until the frogs, kill the frogs die,
1: y'all. And then they dissect the frogs. That was the kind of stories that my brothers, my brother and sisters would come back from
0: school did with. You, so what it, was your oh, well, we uh, experience? Oh, no, we didn't do anything like you that. Didn't, you never, no, you never, I, I did was, you ever um, dissect anything? No, did you have a I dissection? Was, we looked at charts of
1: things, but one, really? yeah, a few years before. My oldest sister, for instance, and uh, my next oldest sister both came back with stories about having to dissect things.
0: So I, in the fourth grade, so mm-hmm. this is 1988, right. um, I was witness to the dissection of a rabbit. There was one, and we all sort of sat around and watched this happen. We, didn't, we did not interact. And then I was supposed to do dissection my junior year in high school, And usually it was, I believe, like a worm, a beef heart, a fetal pig. Right. uh, And maybe a frog is in there somewhere. A frog is the classic, right? But these were all things that were long dead and delivered to us in formaldehyde and had been preserved for dissection purposes. There is no way. Even as much of a goody two-shoes, I gotta do what I gotta do to get an A in this class as that I was, that I would murder something no, to cut it no. open. Absolutely that. What? And then... And Elliot is like me, because Elliot, drunk off his ass, but not knowing he's drunk, because he's 10, he doesn't know what drunk he's very, feels like. Henry
1: Thomas does a great job in this scene. He does. He's very funny. He plays drunk, real, the same sort of head lolling, kind of he's difficulty drunk, and focusing. I wonder,
0: he yells, save them, uh, in a way that makes me think that E.T. understands what he's, like, the, uh, the duress that he's. Under watching this frog uh, suffocate in front of him, which is what's happening, and he's like, "Save them!" And he starts opening the jars and then just knocking them over. And I'm like, "Well, now you just have a bunch of frogs in this classroom. This well, yeah. is not and saving these frogs." A,
1: sort of he's like, to the forest?" And I'm like, "How?" It's a very chaotic scene, and then it's <laughs> intercut with, and this is Steven Spielberg, inter, you know, putting mm-hmm. his own kind of stamp on this. Uh, E.T. is watching The Quiet Man, the John Ford movie, uh, with John Wayne and yes. Maureen uh, um, O'Hara. Yes. And this is where... And it's actually really funny in the context of the movie.
0: Yes. Uh, he, he does maybe assault this little girl. <laughs> there might be a little bit of an assault on this little girl. He certainly did not get consent.
1: He... Uh, yeah. But the funny part <laughs> is the way it's staged. John Wayne kisses Marina O'Hara um and then we cut to him and she is so much taller than him yes that he like has to step on top of another kid who stumbled in front of him that's right to kiss her
0: and he it's and then at that point he's sent out, sent to the principal's office right. he was going to the principal's the office the principal's anyway.
1: office was a scene that was cut oh yeah and the principal in this film was played by Harrison Ford Oh, hilarious. Yeah, but he was almost like Jesus and Ben-Hur. You didn't see him. You just heard his voice and saw his hands. Fun, okay. Yeah, that's fun. And I he's giving him a that. lecture about drinking, <laughs> like underage drinking. But He was I, sitting in that classroom. When was he? Right, but that's what they call the mom about. The next scene is, what, he was drinking? You know, uh, that's why. Yeah. As, uh, as Gertie is trying to... Draw mom's attention to, look, here's E.T., like, yeah. you know, who's hiding behind the TV set. Who
0: now is called E.T. He dubs right. himself E.T. after a Buck Rogers comic.
1: Right. Yeah. He, he, and there's a really, to me, that was funny. The way his neck kind of telescopes over the, the back of the TV set and starts repeating the alphabet. Because Gertie's watching an educational yeah. program. And then it just sort of, like, shrinks back behind the television set.
0: I really like the telescoping neck on this puppet. I think that it's used very well. Um, I wonder, like, constantly my brain was like, does he have telescoping legs, too, and we just never see it?
1: I don't know exactly what the the goal was with it. I think the... Because
0: he's got, like, pretty long arms. Right. And basically no legs. He's basically, like a penguin. He's like a penguin. Yeah, yeah, he's got like, like ankles connected to the bottom, like right. like the hips, and he just kind of waddles waddles around. And his he's he's like a like a he's chunky, right. <laughs> like he's wide. Yeah, it, it's very fun. that whole
1: that scene works works really well. And maybe because I also saw The Quiet Man a lot growing up, that was that was another moment where it's like, yeah, I. I can relate to what's going on in this particular scene. Uh, the other thing being that um, apparently Henry Thomas loved making every part of this movie except kissing that girl. Because a tough on
0: a 10-year-old.
1: And he didn't he want to do kissed
0: it. a girl in real life. No, he he didn't, he and he so was, his was probably not at was, a point where he wanted to even yeah, do that.
1: He said <laughs> that his first move, unfortunately, was that he and Erika Laniak... He didn't know what he was doing, so the first thing was he tried to get it over with really quick, and he just smashed faces with her, Uh, and they actually hurt each other's teeth. That will happen. And so he only had to do it two more
0: times. Guess what? Intimacy coordinator.
1: But as it it turned out, I mean, it wound up working out very well in the film. I really got a kick out of the fact that he has to use the other kid as a step stool. That was very funny to me for some reason.
0: But then again, I I like weird physical comedy. Yes. So now we've got E.T. wanting to phone home. Right. Uh, he understands what a phone is. He understands what communication is. He understands what this comic is seeing. And he wants help. So he takes a speak and spell and a bunch of other stuff. We
1: should mention the, the Buck Rogers comic strip he sees is about Buck communicating like he's sending out an SOS. Yes. So yes. that's what he wants to do.
0: Yes. Um, Because he's like, they didn't mean to leave me. Like, I'm not here on an expedition. I was supposed to go with them. Um, So they're starting to build this communication device and get all the stuff together. And at the same time, Michael, the older brother, is noticing that E.T. is not looking great. He's getting pale. Uh He's like, um... He's like the what color is he? Well,
1: our roommate had a really interesting way of putting it. She goes, "He that he eventually, when you finally see the the final incarnation of the dying ET,
0: he reminded her of the outside of a salami. Of a salami, but I don't think he was that white. He looks like a baloney, like a he's kind of a pink brown, uh-huh. and then yeah, he gets more and more sort of white splotches all all over him." And Elliot starts referring to himself as we.
1: Right. And Elliot's not looking well either. Yeah.
0: And they're they're really integrating in a way that is probably not healthy for either of them. Um, But certainly as long as E.T.'s health is deteriorating and they're connected, it's not going to be good for Elliot. Right. So meanwhile, though, there is an agent outside there is government officials that are being spy or that are spying on them, so on Halloween, even though Gertie has said very clearly that she's going to be a cowgirl, now she's going to be a ghost because they need to put a- <laughs> they need to put a sheet over e t to get him out and they want to bring him up into the forest where he was left also up they want to go up right they want to be as high as they can to send the signal which i don't know if that makes a lot of sense but it's fine they're they're children and um so they they're gonna do that and it's that part was very funny to me as gertie is like she's already left She's up at the, like, waiting to meet them with bicycles out, and so they're trying to hustle E.T. out of the house, and it's, but it's, there's this back and forth that you see from inside the sheet, and then you see from outside the sheet. From outside the sheet, the holes are, like, a foot apart. Right. The eye holes are, like, a foot apart, and then from the inside of the sheet, they're, like, right next to each other, and I know this thing has big eyes, but that's not how that works. But it's so funny to me, the way that it sort of just waddles. It, like, tips over at one point and makes this weird, squishy noise. <laughs> like, and they're like, come on, Gertie, get up. And, like, and they're just trying to
1: waddle him. Or the fact that it keeps trying to cure uh, the older brother's...
0: He's got a knife, a, through, knife a, through a fake knife through his head. He's like a there's a there's a scene where you don't see what he's wearing but apparently michael is dressed up as a terrorist and mom is like hell to the no you are not going out dressed like that and i'm just like did he put like a nazi uniform on like what is happening you never see it he yeah. ends up as like a hobo with a knife through his head which is it's like two di- different uh, outfits, like a mixed like outfits metaphor. Yeah, exactly and um yeah, he keeps wanting to touch his head so he could heal it, but he's like, no, it's fake, it's fake. And then um, at one point, they see a Yoda, like a really good Yoda, mm-hmm. walking by itself, too, and that looked real small. I was like, that looks like a six-year-old child. Why isn't it with a parent? And it's like, home, home, <laughs> and it wants to follow him, which is very funny to me. Um, and then they... Go through the forest, go up to where, and use this um, machine, and it seems successful, but they don't know. Nobody comes right then. Right. Um, and they and Elliot wakes up in the field by himself, and he um returns home. Michael f- goes out and finds ET, and he's dying, like he's. Like Elliot was saying, I don't feel good, I think we're dying. And then Michael goes and finds this body, and he is very pale, very white at this point. Not not a pinky brown the way that he had been previously. That's when Mary finally sees this thing, and like freaks out, but before she can really totally freak out, all of the government comes into her
1: house. That scene was interesting to me because she comes into the house and finds E.T. dying and finds her son dying.
0: Yeah, they're on, like on the
1: bathroom floor, and right? The level of integration is E.T. pushes or rather reaches out to her with its hand saying mom. Which yes. to me actually was like...
0: Yeah. That was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that... yeah. And, but she's like, don't touch it. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to... No, no. Right. We're past that. We love this thing. Right. And also, it's kind of our brother. So, like... <laughs> um, but then... Here comes... The government. And they set up a lab at the house. They're asking everybody questions. Uh, Elliot's... Like... Stripped down on a gurney. E.T. is on a gurney. We've got this... This dude, Keys. Who's he played by? Peter Coyote. Peter Coyote, which is very
1: funny watching him in this movie. I had just earlier this week or that week uh, seen him in a Roman Polanski film called Bitter Moon where he plays... There's no two ways about it. He plays a man with a serious, twisted, perversion side to it. So it's like, oh my God, take that man away from those kids. Okay, it's a film. All right.
0: (laughs) And he is like... I wanted to see an alien forever. Like, he's, like... He's Elliot grown-up in a lot of ways. Yes. As they're giving E.T. various things, and they're giving Elliot various things, and they're starting to separate. Like, the connection isn't as strong, it isn't as strong, and then it basically totally disappears. And Elliot's getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and E.T. is crashing. Mm -hmm. He's dying. And there is a, for a children's movie, entirely too long sequence of push this medication, push that medication, give him this, give him that, do this, do that. And then they pronounce him dead after like five minutes. And then there's another like two minute scene of almost like post-mortem. Like, what are we going to do with him? We're going to take, you know, and, and Elliot is like, they're just going to cut him up. Like, he's very pragmatic about it. But I'm just like, who is this movie for? Because I don't think a parent wants to be watching this. Like, this isn't... And the kids definitely don't want to be watching this. Like, so what is this part for? This just feels like you're torturing your your audience in a way that is uh, kind of shitty.
1: Well, it yeah... That uh, film reminds me of, um, there's a, George Powell made a version of War of the Worlds in 1953, right? Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, in that case, something close to divine intervention happens. Aliens are destroy the world, but they're killed off by bacteria in our atmosphere. Right. And in the 1953 film, um, everyone's hiding in a church, they're about to get blown up, and the spaceship suddenly tips over and crashes. And it, this took me back to that because this strange kind of three-fingered hand comes creeping down the gangplank and stops. And our hero comes up and feels his pulse and goes, he's
0: dead. And you're thinking... How the fuck do you know that? Well, how? Well Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Why do you think that there's a pulse? Yeah, they <laughs> kind of <carrying> him <laughs> this drug. Give right. that and drug. It, I'm like, how the fuck do you and know that? And it reminded
1: that? me of what you were saying because you're looking at it going... Why are they giving him lidocaine? Why are they giving him? all I mean, they, they don't know anything about any this. Of thing. this will work. Physiology. I don't they, think MRI is at this point.
0: They do. Right. They're giving an electric shock Going. He's. You know. At one point, they're doing chest right. compressions. You don't even know if it has a heart. Right. Exactly. Like it, it, yeah, but it was one of those wild. things where you're like, wait, uh, how, uh, how do they know that this and, is going to work? And if you're making a movie for children, then Uh I guess you can gloss over all of that. But you can't make a movie for children and then have it be so clinical for so long. Right. And then have me go, well, I still have to... Mm. This is for children, so it doesn't have to be real. Well, no, it isn't, because children don't want to look at this. (laughs) Spielberg has issues, I
1: think, with scene length at times. Yeah. Where he does not know when to cut it off, and he just will keep pushing a scene to bring as much...
0: Tension or or emotional, yeah, and that just feels manipulative. Right. And yeah, this whole section, I'm just like, this is horrifying. We have fallen in love with this little alien, creepy looking as it may be. Also, I was surprised by how far from the end we were at this point. And I was just like, this is terrible. This is torture. Why are you doing this to these kids? And And by these kids, I don't just mean the kids on screen. I mean all the kids watching. (laughs) Why are you doing this? This is Henry Thomas,
1: I don't know who coached him for this. Oh, my God. He's so good, though. He was thinking about the recent death of his family dog. Oh, okay. And that's where he pulled this real screaming from. It's like, God, okay, somebody... Needs to hug that
0: kid. Yes. There. No. The he, the he really he the pain was that amazing. he is doing is. Right. I mean. I think. I think the most raw. Filmed grief I've ever seen uh-huh. is Florence Pugh in Midsummer. Right. This is not very far behind no, it. No, it's not. And to have the 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 pure the the piercing, scream of a ten year old boy is, it's gut wrenching. Right. Um, they give him back to they give Elliot back to his family, but then Key says you should be able to say goodbye, which the government would never do, but they they right. do here. Um, and he goes and he opens this. He's been like zipped into a case and then like vacuum sealed inside of a plastic thing. Right. It's terrible and. And he says that he loves him. And then he goes to close the door. Close or the, close the case. And okay, we yeah. see a light, but he doesn't see it. Like a red light right. coming from the body. And he goes and turns around and he sees the chrysanthemums that had died again. And they kind of... They don't perk all the way up, but they perk up a little bit. And he's like, oh! And he turns around and he looks back and he can see the red light. And so he opens the thing up and E.T. is alive. And he he basically says, does that mean it worked? And he's like, yes, they're coming back for him. So what we're, I guess, understand is if he gets too far from his people.
1: Right. He becomes vulnerable.
0: He is vulnerable and and he'll die. They're coming back for him now. So he is revived. He's kind of like a tardigrade because he did die. I mean, once again, is it a heart is there a brain? What is death and life when this thing is? Like, what is death and life in general? In general? And if you'd
1: like the answer to that, oh we have God. another podcast.
0: Yeah, but if we don't really talk about that. Not yet. <laughs> well, we will next week. But oh, fun? Okay. Uh, so his heart light, his heart light is glowing. Beep beep. They're like, cool, cool, cool. We got to get him up so that he can go be reunited with his family. Because if he stays here, he's just going to die. He's going <laughs> to die and be a science experiment. That sucks. We say no. and So what are we going to do? We're going to steal this van. Michael goes out. He gets in the van. He doesn't get his fucking mask up quick enough. And they are caught as there's a like one of those flexi tunnels coming out of the back of this van. Mm. But uh, Elliot is in the van and E.T. is in the van and Michael is like I've never driven forward before. And then he does it. He drives forward. And they're going to go and they've already told the, his friends to meet them somewhere with the bikes because mm-hmm. they're, they're going to they're gonna take him back up to the forest. Um, hopefully, uh, when E.T.'s people are coming, they're like coming like now. <laughs> it's yeah. not like a four-day situation. And so there's this chase, all these cop cars, so many cop cars, and I would argue there wouldn't be local cops involved in this. I would argue that the feds are coming in Might and the they're case not going to tell case. local authorities anything other than this is classified hmm. and these would all be just black sedans. But nevertheless, these are <laughs> L.A. County uh, 1980s police cars. Just so square. Just so rectangular <laughs> in shape. Uh, and... Uh, Elliot pulls off all of the screws because there are two scientists still, still in, trapped the tube in the tube, which that is was attached to the and back of the. I understand the, the precautions, but it's that been running around dangerous. all this time. Yeah,
1: and these kids have been exposed to it. So if there was something to pass along, it's too late.
0: Well, not to mention, you'll see. You can see in the um, right. in the the bloopers or the right. you know the the goofs part when Keys goes in to the airlock, right. He's got the the like hazmat suit with like um piping coming off of it uh, that's just not attached to anything. So they're just breathing the air too. Right. Like there's not there's not there no there's no precautions here. There's a lot of faux precautions, a lot of let's put on a show precautions, but no actual precautions are being taken. Um because they also take off their stuff as soon as this thing dies right. and, and I'm like
1: yeah. He
0: could be covered in Viruses and bacteria and fungi from the solar system that you don't know about. Not just what he breathes he in and wipe out. Wipe up the like... whole human race. Probably could. Probably carrot. would. He seems really nice. He's a carrot. He's a potato. Maybe a Maybe turnip. Maybe a potato. He's like a potato. He's like a p- potato. A turnip attached. I don't know. Yes. A turnip potato. Tur- turnip... I'll work on it. Anyways, they ride, they, they drive, drive, drive into the... Paternip. Um, what? A paternip. A paternip. I like it. A paternip. Uh, they ride to the... What was it? Like the playground. Uh-huh. And where they're met with their friends on their bikes. And then Elliot's like, let's go! <laughs> He's like, Ugh! these kids on these dirt bikes are rock stars. <laughs> you see Michael riding earlier and you're like, yeah. damn, right. this kid can go. All of them can because Elliot takes the lead, right? And then they set up some sort of roadblock. Yeah. And now was... today, they just mow these children down.
1: Well, that's why I <laughs> thought it would be really funny if particularly see Thomas Howell yeah. if It was Rutger Hauer who leaps out to try to grab Emmanuel the because they try
0: to tackle these there's kids. There's a point where there's nobody around, and then right. all of a sudden, like, it was very much like it's on arms come from right. both sides. I'm like, where did these people come from? Arms come from both sides to grab these kids. And there's a roadblock right ahead of them, and then E.T. makes them fly. And he had made them fly, he made um, Elliot oh, fly the night before. Uh-huh. So you get the, the bike across the moon shot from the right. night before. Um, so he does it again, but with all of them. And as I was saying, you, we were talking about, um, previously when we talked about Harry House and how he has, when he has something flying, mm-hmm. like the Pegasus, the Pegasus flying, it's also running, like it's moving its legs. Cause otherwise it just, the legs just kind of hang right. there and it looks real weird. These kids still peddling. <laughs> right. going to get still them in here. Peddling. But they are flying. They're not doing, this is not doing anything. But you, for whatever makes you comfortable, kids.
1: (laughs) And I think the thing is like in Harryhausen's case, it's well, it just, it it looks like its wings are, or its legs are dead. And it, they kept doing tests with the Pegasus for Clash of the Titans. This is, and it wound up looking like a wasp or something really unpleasant that just sort of tucks its legs underneath it. Yes. So it just wound up, okay. A horse is really lovely when it's galloping, so we're going to have it gallop. It's not galloping galloping on anything. It's fine. And the same thing with these kids. Uh, If you don't have them moving their feet, they're going to look like exactly what they are, which is stationary puppets in front of a blue screen. Yeah, you got to have them move them. So if you don't have them moving, it's like, well, but look, it looks like what it is, right?
0: So instead, we're going to have them pumping away like they're doing something, and it turns out, of course... And he takes them to the spaceship, which is there, Mm -hmm. and then... Mary, Gertie, and Keyes all show up because they know where they're going. I well,
1: Keyes had mentioned earlier, he's, he's keeping
0: secrets from his own people as well. He, he wants this thing to go. He right. doesn't, as much as he would love to dissect this thing, mm-hmm. he would rather it go back. <laughs> because he asked Elliot
1: at one point, I found the machine in the woods. Yes. What does it do? It's doing something, and Elliot asked him, Is it still working? It's like it's it's doing something, it's It's moving, it's doing
0: something right but we don't know what it
1: is. So he knows where the machine is, and that's that's how they go, they get
0: there, right? Um, and did he say he's he was calling, right? He's trying to tell him, he he does say, uh, because yeah, he needs them to come back. And so E.T. says goodbye to Michael and to Gertie, and she gives him the flower pot. Uh-huh. So he was here to collect flowers, so here's a flower. And he does end up taking it back onto the ship with him. And then E.T. says to Elliot, I'll be right here. And he pokes him in his chest in his heart. Aww. <laughs> and then he waddles back up. He picks up the chrysanthemum, boards the spaceship, and then the spaceship takes off. Leaves a rainbow in the sky. That's not how rainbows work. Okay. And then, bend! The so what did you think overall? Was it thrilling? Okay, number one. Would you rather have seen this or Night Skies? This.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: But I've never seen Close Encounters. Right. That's going to, when we watch it for this series, I almost coming feel like up here in a couple of months, <sighs> that'll be the first time I see it. So I, I, I don't hard, know if
1: I should, well, it's not really spoiling it for you or the audience. The movie is 50 years old. But it has the exact same ending, only it goes the different, in a different direction.
0: To me, uh, I want a re-edit of this film.
1: Uh-huh.
0: The fact that they kill this thing in the middle of it is unconscionable to me. It can get sick. Fine, I get it. It needs its people. Cool. Do not kill E.T. in the middle of E.T.
1: They... They warn you uh, that we're going to kill E.T. earlier in the film when Gertie is reading about Tinkerbell dying, and Tinkerbell's a fairy.
0: There is, that's right. There's and a whole scene right. uh, where you're just hearing D. Uh, D. Wallace uh-huh. read to Gertie that part of Peter Pan. That part of Peter Pan. The first thing you hear is, the Redskins were beaten, and you're just yes. like, what? So we're okay. just going to be problematic all the way around. Yeah. <laughs> <that." laughs> um, And I did not approve Some people believe, but some people don't. And then (laughs) they both put the book down and they both clap, clap. And then Tinkerbell comes alive uh, as she does in the book. And yeah, so I guess, I guess I, I don't care. Right. It feels unnecessarily cruel. If the target audience of your movie is seven to 12, if the target audience of your movie is Elliot's age, Okay. It feels cruel to On have the, hand, the straight death to in let, there.
1: Because you also, you've been through the 70s with me, in film at least, right? Mm, and you've seen rough. how really... Those were not for kids. Yes, I know, but you've seen <sighs> how really cruel the decade was in general. Yes. And you can understand after The Godfather and after Deliverance, and we're going to be seeing Chinatown and these other films, why Star Wars just took off with young people because... These movies weren't about young people. These were about people making these hefty, horrible decisions, right? Yes. And now you have a movie that's just for kids celebrating being young and youthful, and it took off. But at the same time, these were kids that were still a few years away from real tragedies happening in films. And every Disney film that started out with Bambi's parents being killed or Pinocchio having no dad or, you know, except for Geppetto and them being swallowed by a whale, all that stuff, right? There was, a, there was a general, and it still happens. I mean, you start the Harry
0: Potter story with Harry Potter's parents both being murdered. Well, every Disney story starts with, hey, right. you don't get all your parents. You might get none of your parents. So it, it is
1: something that still happens. In terms of this, though, I uh, there are people who believe it's a Christ metaphor, to which... Steven Spielberg goes, "Oh no, I'm a Jewish man." My well, so is Christ, but you know, my mom runs a kosher deli. Uh, imagine if I came home to her and said, "Hey, mom, look, I made a Christ story." Like, what would she say? I mean, that was
0: his joke. Well, uh, is your is Would his response be, "So it was Christ?" Like, right. you can't, you can't no, come at can that him way. That, but <laughs> him. I'm just saying that for the general education
1: of our audience. Um, Jesus was Jewish. Um, but uh, I think that, even if he wasn't aware of it it it's too on the nose to not have been thought of consciously, particularly when um the advertising art for e t the poster uh had a recreation of the creation of Adam from the Sistine Chapel as its central image so uh, yeah, I think that was a, somebody was aware of that. I'm not saying that Spielberg was but
0: but, uh, yeah, that was in the back of perhaps the screenwriter's mind just, or something. It just, I don't, if this is a kid's movie, I feel like it's too dark.
1: It's, yeah, it's it's
0: dark. It's... Um, and kid's movies are dark. I right. get it. Also, though, darkness in an animated setting is different than darkness in a that-could-be-me setting. Like right. a literal that-could-be-me, that's a live-action person. interesting.
1: Okay, now that you're bringing this up, and maybe this is a generational thing, but when we were talking about this movie, right? The generation that grew up with it, this was it was getting a lot of recognition and Spielberg wasn't aware of how big it was going to become until he got a, a letter from Francois Truffaut or a telegram saying that, you know, he deserves a place in the Pantheon of directors. It was very French. Um but I think that at the time this was seen as a very saccharine kind of sweet movie that was Just and and I'm looking at it now going, Oh no no, this it's pretty it's harsh. Pretty harsh. And knowing now what we know about And I
0: wouldn't I think it's uh, sweet,
1: I would not
0: say it is saccharine.
1: No, but that was the accusation of Especially given. Steven Spielberg very notoriously did not talk about his childhood for a very long time.
0: Yeah, now he just released a movie all about it.
1: (laughs) And so what he was able to discuss was and as we talked about the the opening of the show, he he didn't have a family, and his relationship with Amy Irving at the time was breaking up. Right. So he just felt like, I'm never going to have kids, and he didn't like the idea of doing uh, Night Skies, because it's like, well, it's just a family in danger, and they're breaking through the windows. That, and the part of the story he chose to focus on, he focused on. Mind you, did he need to treat everyone else like crap? No, he didn't. But the point is... um. He talked about how when he was a kid, he wanted, this is what he wanted, some sort of friend because he had three sisters who were older than him, I think. And so he didn't really have a way of relating to them and his mom, who he was with. Uh And so he didn't have, there's a scene in here knowing that, going into the film, knowing that uh, there's a moment when uh, his brother asks, is it a boy or a girl? And he just insists right away, it's a boy. And that was very much Spielberg's... I wanted a little brother. I wanted somebody I could tell
0: around Yeah, with. and once again, it's a plant. Right. So... I don't think it's got a gender the way that... Or a sex the uh, way that we would understand a I sex, remember but
1: seeing Spielberg being interviewed by Dick Cavett right after Age of the Lost Ark was
0: finished. Also, I think it's interesting that Elliot has seen this whole thing. Uh-huh. And we've seen it. Although we don't see its whole body, really. Right. I see no penis. So it's interesting to me that Elliot would go, it's a boy. Well,
1: that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> He's insisting on behalf of a little boy who wants to have a little brother. This is a right. boy. Right. But um, I remember seeing Spielberg interviewed by Dick Cavett, and he was talking about E.T. E. after he finished Raiders of the Lost Ark, what's your next movie? My next movie is called A Boy's Life, which was this film. That was the, the title put out to the press so that uh, there what was no...
0: bad title. Okay. okay right. They didn't want... Right.
1: Right. I th-
0: what was the name for Return of the Jedi?
1: It was like Blue Harvest or something really... <laughs> yeah, suspicious.
0: that's right. Uh, now they just use Untitled Spielberg Project right. or whatever. And and I, they just don't
1: even... <laughs> I thought the funniest part for both Night Skies and before that for Close Encounters and uh, appropriate for this week, um, the code title was... Keep watching the skies, which again was the reference back to the thing. Um, but yeah, he was talking about making this film that he had been asked by any number of people to make a small personal movie. So he was telling Dick Cavett, Well, I'm doing a film. It's essentially set inside of just one house and a couple of rooms. Yeah. And I think it will. Which it'll, is true. Right. It's going to be, I think people will like it, but I don't think it's going to be the big blockbuster
0: success that Rage Lost Ark
1: was turning out to be. Little did he know.
0: You have to say that, too. You don't want to be like, oh, yeah, this movie that mm-hmm. changed film, right. I'm going to do that again. Well, I like, think... that's, that's, e- even if he yeah. believed he was going to do it again, you don't say that shit. Yeah, I don't think that he did, though. It's, it, from
1: the interviews I saw today, he seemed to be genuinely surprised or taken aback. All of them were. They all thought they had made a good film. Right. But they did not know that it was going to catch on with audiences like this. And
0: maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it needs that dark edge to catch mm-hmm. on the way that it did. Right. I just think first of all, I think it's too long, and I think the things you could cut are the things that are cruel. Right. <laughs> like you know what I mean? I think this movie should be ninety five minutes long. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if okay. you'd cut. That whole there's like a four minute scene after he's dead where they're go- talking about the different medications they could be administering. Who's that for? Nobody wants this. Right. It's it, it went on for so long, and I was just like, this doesn't. Who's the parents aren't excited about this because their kid's crying next to them, like, why is he dead? And they're like, oh, I don't know, but let's listen to this medication list that. It makes no sense anyways, cause y'all don't even know right. what this thing is. Well, that was my complaint. <laughs> like, You're going to hold up its little tiny wrist and feel I it's I think pulse. it's got, like I said, about six minutes of thrill. I think um, the way that it's shot at the beginning, uh, where there's the lights of the Jeep that sort of scare this right. the alien and then have it run away, like that's thrilling. It's uh, right like the first two minutes the 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 John Williams music and the lifting of those kids up on their bikes there's something thrilling about that but right. it's also it's manipulative right like that that music is doing ninety percent of the work
1: <laughs> well, and that's something we should mention because um, John Williams score does a lot of very funny kind of referencing to some of the other work they've done. Including the uh, the government agents when they show up, they're taking musical cues from Star Wars, um, notably Darth Vader's uh, musical motif. So that when you're listening That's to right. it, you become aware of the fact: oh, this is like on some level for people who've seen Star guy. Wars. Yeah, not only are these the bad guys; this is the evil empire, right? Yeah, <laughs> the government, which was I mean something in itself, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it it overall was it thrilling
0: for me? You yeah, know what? Maybe it was. It was a different kind of thrilling. It's a different kind of thrilling. I don't know if it belongs to be, or if it deserves to be this far up on the list. We're talking mm-hmm. about the top fifty. Right. We're in the uh, we're in the the front half now, right. and I don't know that it rises to that level. But there are certainly thrilling parts in it, and I think it would be more thrilling if it was. Twenty minutes shorter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So next week we're going to talk about a very different film, but also kind of not. Nineteen thirty nine's *The Wizard of Oz*, which is another one where I'm puzzled by it, but maybe else. I have not times. seen this movie all the way through it since I was less than ten. Right. So I'm. Cu- I think it's probably. I'm also going to think that. As Leonard Maltin says, it will suffer from overlength. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm 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 curious what I think about it, having not seen it in over 30 years. Um, but that's what we're gonna talk about yeah, next week. It's,
1: it's so strange because I feel like sometimes it's like with younger people, the, their their pacing is different. Of course, and I, I think that, and
0: it's not just because I'm younger than you. It's also because the <laughs> movies that I've watched mostly uh, are in the last 25 years, released in the last 25 years, and those pa- that pacing is different. That
1: pacing is like television pacing. Mm-hmm. It's also, and on top of that, that was what Harry Harryhausen used to complain about. It's like, well, you have to get people in the first reel now because they're used to the pace of television where you have to grab the person's attention right before the first commercial. I think it's gotten even more accelerated because of video
0: games. Well, and just general social media. Right. TikTok has it's two like, minutes to grab it, your attention. You have a right? very,
1: right. very... Everything has to move really quickly. So trying to get a person in the place to where they can sit and watch something like Ben or Her, for instance, or 2001. Which we
0: watched over three right. watchings. It's a four-hour movie. We watched it... Actually, we watched, I think, a half an hour, 40 minutes, and then the, end, the right. rest. Um, which was... Almost two hours. Like right. the what we ended up just kind of running downhill on the. I I expected us to break it up into another day, and we didn't. But it was a three sitting movie, and I don't like splitting up my, my movies. Right. You do that all the time. You're yeah. like, I'll watch twenty minutes here, ten minutes here. I can't. I will lose the plot of the uh, narrative if I right. do that. So I like to just watch the mm-hmm. movie, but also. Four hours is a lot, a big ask. So, unfortunately, that one is broken up. There's even a straight up intermission, right? Um, so, but it is vignetti. So you could be like, okay, well, that's sort of the end of that story, and we're going to come back in five years or whatever. So let's take a break. Right. Um, but yeah, I do have trouble with pacing, and also just you know, especially now when movies all want to be over three hours long, I'm like, well make it. do it for w- television worth it. We'll do it for also, television
1: yeah. <laughs> there's great stuff being done on television you can pace it according to that um, and I'm talking not about television in the sense that you have to grab them for the first commercial because now you can do it with commercials entirely Yes. Uh, I think that I worry though that there's a generation of people who will not watch something as amazing as like let's say Ben-Hur or the Ten Commandments or even the Shining which is a long movie because they're just, you know, what am I being Well, there's enough with? people
0: who are my age that are like, black and white, no thank you. Right. And I have to be in the mood to watch a black and white movie. Yeah. I do. Because I also know that the pacing is going to be different. They're going to talk different. They're gonna, like, it's going to be a yeah. different vibe. And I need to be in the mood for that vibe. But I am in the mood for that vibe sometimes. I've never, right. like, I, I don't, it, there's nothing where I'm like, oh, I never want to watch There are
1: times when it feels off, though. And I think that was part of the issue with Raging Bull. It yeah. was a black and white film, but made with modern sensibilities, so that yeah. when I'm watching it That going, wasn't
0: the only problem with Raging Bull. <laughs> well, I mean, but that was one of
1: the ones that I had, because I'm used to, it looks like a film noir, but it's not at all.
0: Yes. And no, it isn't. No, it feels like that's what they're going to set you up for, and then that is right. not what it is. So that was a little hard for me, but anyhow. Okay. So next week, The Wizard of Oz. When I was little, I thought it was the first movie in color because it's got the big switch. Right. And it made sense to me. It's not, y'all. No. <laughs> um, but imagine the audacity of the first colored movie being in black and white when you walk in. You know, this is the first color, you know, movie in color right. ever. And you go in and it starts and it's in black and white. Ooh! People be
1: pissed. When I was a kid, we watched it on television, and it was a big deal because we would watched it for years in black and white. We got our first color set, <gasps> that
0: and would be at like first magic. we thought
1: something was wrong with it because the beginning of the film was in black Still and white. Still in black and white, and we yeah. would change it to the other channels. Like, no, look, all those other people are in color. Why is this film in color? And you know, back God, that was back when you could call the station and go, hey, Is there something wrong? <laughs> and then midway, th- well, midway through, it, after the opening scene, right. It's like in such super saturated. color, right. Color. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like,
0: yeah, it works well, very well for your eyes, which right. don't love color generally. No. We were saying the pinky brown of ET. I'm like, Pink yeah, sure. And brown, sure. Okay. Whatever. Whatever you say. Whatever you say. Like, right. All right. Um, so next week, that's what we're going to watch. Do you have anything you'd like to recommend in the meantime? And um, this is coming out on March 16th. No.
1: <laughs> I can't think of anything right now. I'm in the middle of a bunch of things. Yeah, uh, I'm in the middle of a bunch of things. But uh, maybe by next week I will come up with something. Okay. But uh, unfortunately,
0: but the time actually airs, we'll probably be done with several of those things. But yeah, no, we're in the middle of Poker Face. We're in the middle of Severance. We've right. gone back to Severance. Forgot how good that show is. We
1: are in the middle of Last of Us.
0: Yes. Yeah, which we have to be in the middle of because they're still releasing. Right. Same thing with Poker Face. Both of those are being Although if I was going though. to
1: recommend something about the fucking horror, horror that is mushrooms, because mushrooms are horrible and they should all die, um, that film is the best and most realistic depiction of mushrooms I've ever seen. Because they're horrible. Yes, I know.
0: They did They did eat your back. They, they and you did are did mad about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, fair. That's nothing wrong with that. But is there anything else you can think of that... I would like to recommend? Sure, yes. Mm -hmm. I would like to recommend... There were two things, but now there's only one in my brain. Uh, If you're in the mood to learn a little bit about a cult... Okay. Sometimes I'm in the mood to hear about a cult. I like to keep myself sharp against these things, because... They're all over the place, and they can come get you at any time, and I want to make sure that I will not fall victim. Uh, so The Vow Season 2, I, I recommended the v- original Vow on HBO. Season 2 has come out. Um, they talk to basically the second-in-command. She's like the star of the mm-hmm. season. Uh, she flipped on uh, the wing leader, Vanguard. He called himself Keith Raniere. Um and she's an intelligent woman, and you just see her kind of come to realizations as she's being interviewed. Like, I thought this was um, a totally separate thing from the, the the bad things that ended up happening were completely separate from the good things that we were able to do.
1: Mm.
0: And as it goes on, she's like, did he do the good things so he could do the bad things? Right. And did I push that on out into the world? And y'all, the answer is yes. And she is it she's come, she's like, I don't know how I'm gonna live with myself. And I'm like, You need a therapist. <laughs> um yeah, she needs somebody to talk to because it's it's heartbreaking to just watch her come and she has these realizations sort of they sprinkle them through the it's a nine episode series. And it's it's heartbreaking because she really thought that this person was a good person. Um, and, you know, we tell ourselves all kinds of lies to keep our hearts and our brains safe. So mm-hmm. I thought it was, I, th- I, think, I think that whole series was beautifully done. I think it was really, really well done. Now I'm also not a Keith Ramiri fan. If you're a Keith Ramiri fan, you don't you're not gonna like it. But also you're uh you're a member of a cult and he is uh not a good person. So alright, I think that's it. The Vow too. Next week, Wizard of Uh, wherein we vilify old single women. <laughs> They're witches and hags. Um until next week. If you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at lakecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Lakeomerspod, probably. We're probably still kicking around over there unless it's totally imploded. Uh or you can find us on Facebook. That's the easiest way. And we'll be sharing some things uh that we found about the movies this month right. uh on the website. So go or on the Facebook page. So go there and take a look if you would. And uh, until next week, I would like to remind you to please, please take your medicine. And we'd like to remind you,
1: better late, late than never. never.